Yo, what's up everybody? It's your boy A.L. Newton and you're tuned in to another episode of A Newt Perspective. So, uh, so glad that you started your week off or found some time in your week to listen to the old perspective. Listen, before we get too far into it, I want to give a shout out uh, to a small business um, that consistently shows the perspective love on um, social media. I appreciate it. And so just to reciprocate that love back to those of you who do listen, uh, go check out Laura and Co candles on instagram um and see what she's offering see what they're offering try it out uh some great scents have your house smelling uh good and and cozy there's nothing like a good candle um they didn't ask for that or anything like that but i believe it's important to support those who support you at all times so listen let's get into it got quite a few things to get on i want to talk about here on this Monday after the resurrection um, resurrection Sunday as we record so the ages 16 to 34 are the largest group of black people who do not go to church Um, it is a generation that has in their mind that they've watched their grandparents um, and their parents go to church give the church be a part of the church and not see anything reciprocated from the church not necessarily um, God because they have a relationship with God they call themselves spiritual and that's neither here nor there Um, but one of the things that that generation and that segment of the church often sees is one flawed leadership um, in the pulpit flawed leadership from the church leaders and an inability to be honest Um, But they also see a set of people, especially in the black community, who um, pretend as if they have never made mistakes, never been flawed, never questioned God, never had any issues. And it really is uh, it really is detrimental to what the gospel of Jesus is. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Um, And that any time anybody in that age frame um, stumbles or they see a stumble or they they lean back on their experiences um, they get mad with the church or they understand or they further perpetuate their reasoning and their rationale for not do, having anything to do with the church um, I get it to an extent I grew up in the church love the church um, I often tell people that um, especially people especially men who grew up without their father active in their life they find something else to raise them along with their mama so um, that's why some some dudes just can't let go of football or some dudes just don't let go of basketball or some dudes just don't let go of the streets because they had their mama and that other entity or hobby or or um, body raised them for me it was the church um, absolutely love it um, and there are days where I have questioned if I'm in love with the church or if I'm in love with God. That is a different conversation for a different day. Um, But too often, the church in its entirety, not just the entity that I love, that I call um, the black church, funny to have this conversation on the anniversary of the day Dr. Martin Luther King was killed. Um, Sometimes church people really blow my mind. And I think we miss the point and the purpose of what Jesus 
who Jesus is, who he was in his, his physical life here with us, and his teachings. Um, which leads me to um, Lil Nas X. So Lil Nas X became famously known for his song Old Town Road, uh, was showing up in schools, had people singing it on the CMT Awards, got Billy Ray Cyrus on the remix. He was um, the, 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 the talk of a summer. People thought he was going to be a one-hit wonder. He stayed around. If there's one thing that Little Nas X has done is that he has made sure to keep his name relevant even if his music isn't hitting the way it was hitting. I thought when I first heard him that he was going to just be a country star, a black country star. But no, that wasn't his MO. He just wanted to write a country song. And so um, he does things. He's a great Twitter troll. He, I was convinced that he went and had a pair of fake boobs put on. He came out. Um, and expressed his uh, sexuality uh, that, that didn't fit a lot of people's molds and people dropped him then and they dropped him for some of the things he says but uh, recently Little Nas X got with um, not with Nike Nike did not distribute, make, contribute to the shoe that was made but with a designer, somebody I don't know how exactly that works but they took a Nike shoe, uh, took like 600 and something of them and um, they made a shoe, right? The shoe is, has satanic writing on it, has human blood on it, has the demons on it, and then Little Nas, it correlates with a video that he had in which he slept with, in the video, he sleeps with Satan and then he kills Satan. Um, and then the Christian community was just so outraged. And I don't get it. Not because I agree with the imagery or, or the messaging, and I don't claim to be the most um, biblically astute person that there is. There's a lot I don't know. There's a lot I want to know. There's a thought lot that when I get to heaven, I'm really not going to care about. Those won't be the questions I have for Jesus. Um, but sometimes it baffles my mind when I look in the Bible looking for times Jesus sought out things that went against him. Yeah, he cast out demons, but those persons came to them and said, hey, cast this demon out. Jesus spent his time with the least, the lost, and the left behind. And it wasn't about social status, and it wasn't about um, financial gain, and it wasn't about how nice the business it was, and it wasn't about how great an orator it was, and it wasn't about how good the music hit on. Um, the ministry of Christ literally was um, about helping those who had been rejected by um, society for not fitting into societal norms and so sometimes the church's reaction white black red or green to people um, blows my mind one we we and I say we because I am a part of the church even if I don't agree with what the church does um, blew it up as if we blew it up and, and kept it relevant one two if you ever listen to interviews where Little Nas X, whatever his real name is, um, talks, a lot of his hurt and a lot of his lashing out came from things that happened to him in his experience in growing up in church. Um, his his sexuality, his wanting to express himself, his his um, demeanor was crushed and destroyed by the church, and when the church 
broke that in him he no longer cared about anyone else's perception right there were times when he was homeless the church didn't help there were times there were a lot of number of things now not every church has money to help every homeless person hell most churches and i'm a living witness that doesn't have enough money to cover them the church is not a country club for the rich and famous it's a hospital for the hurting and the people that need hope and so we do a great job as the church proving those who don't believe and those who don't trust in that segment that is missing wrong do i have a biblical sound answer on homosexuality no i don't um, I know that I've learned. I know that my views have changed. I know that they change um, in interactions and conversations and um, trying to, to listen to the voice of God and the direction in which God steers. Uh, but I, I do know, and if you're a frequent listener, you know that I believe that at the end of the day, you love your neighbor as yourself. And I think if we took time to be more compassionate I'm not saying that you got to tolerate it because there's a difference in being nice and being unnecessary. But to understand the root of what people are going through and especially when it comes to music and musical artists, because normally these people are communicating what what um, some people can't articulate. So when you sit on social media and bash this person, and I'm not once again, I'm not saying I agree with it, but somebody else might be struggling with it and not be famous and you bash them we do a wonderful job as christians if there's one thing we do great is missing the damn point we miss the point I, watching christians um compare dr seuss and wop has blown my mind wop was for grown people hell not just the song wop the acronym wop what it is is for grown a people Happy, never mind, I get myself in trouble sometimes. I say stuff I really shouldn't. Um, the same thing, Christians, oh, corporate prayer in school, and this is gone, and that's gone. One, I hate when people my age talk about praying in school because I've been, obviously, been in school majority of my life, and I don't ever remember having corporate prayer. So when people my age talk about, oh, they took prayer out of school. B word we grew up without prayer in school And prayer has never been out of school Ask an educator they pray every time If that's their belief they walk into a classroom Ask teachers and students Somebody you have prayed before a test that you didn't study for The problem is There are people who want a show out of Christianity And there is nothing showy About the life of Christ Christ had a crowd He didn't want a crowd He was worried about the cradle The, cri the cradle the cross and the crown in order to elevate the crowd not for the crowd to um not to the crowd to to make him trend and we have to be careful in that i see it all the time and it really does disgust me i listened to an interview with donnie mcclerkland who is a he's a famous um singer in the black community gospel singer in the black community who said he was gay he's no longer gay but because he's no longer gay and he's had relationship with men and women um, but because he's no longer gay, he feels like he's never going to have compassion and he's past the age of um, reproduction in his eyes and he's never going to have that family unit, but he's been delivered from his homosexuality. So he, he, he sacrificed the sexuality and 
and, and was replaced with loneliness, but he had Jesus. So it works out. And I'm not telling you what to believe and how to believe, but I don't think I know for a fact that God did not create any of us to be lonely. There are some people who want to be lonely. There are some people who survive in the loneliness, but literally God looked at Adam and said, you've got it all. You need a helpmate. Um, you can take from that what you want to. And when people convoluted and, and, um, I used to be that big God said Adam and Eve Not Adam and Steve I'm not saying that's not my position anymore I'm saying that I'm learning And, and um, exposing myself to think And try to hear God's voice on it But there's also the same argument In which people say um, That Adam had to be a hermethodite If God laid Adam down And pulled all of the pieces That uh, Eve needed out of Adam It means Adam had all of the anatomy we, we don't have those conversations um, and it's, it's it's taking what we read and putting it in context when you put it in that context then hell what was God doing um, did God change a person's gender or, or change the way they identify I don't know I don't have the answer I'm just telling you that's what's in the book and we have to be careful acting like God um, I'm not saying that we're not allowed to pass judgment because I believe that we're supposed to judge each other the Bible does not say uh, you can't judge me Tupac said only God can judge me that is not in the Bible the Bible says judge uh, judge not lest ye be judged which means you judge on the level that you want to be judged we are all a scandal away everybody has a secret in their closet everybody has a skeleton in their closet that if it was tweeted out if it was put out if it was shared if it was on the front page of the news they would want to curl up and die and I think we've got to be careful crucifying those persons um, when when their stuff is put on the front page now I'm going to be a hypocrite because a little bit later in the pod I'm going to crucify somebody but in the same token if I did what they do you are more than welcome to nail me to a cross the other big headline capturing thing that has happened this week has been um, and I didn't speak on it last week because um, I did not I wanted to educate myself before I made a, a, an assertion and an assessment although I was right in my assessment in my assessment this crap that's going on in Georgia this new new jig crow this blatant um, this blatant attempt to suppress black voters listen um, I told well, some of my closest friends before the election I shared with you all on the podcast that I knew Joe Biden would win symplectically for the flag that black people did not vote in 2016 whether it been, had been mail-in ballots or going into ballot black people were going to go vote in record numbers Donald Trump um, some of the people that supported Donald Trump, some of the people that still support Donald Trump make black people very, 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 very uncomfortable. And we were going to go vote in ways we didn't do in 2016. And so what we're seeing in Georgia now is not a reaction to um, voter fraud because the governor of Georgia and the uh, secretary of state of Georgia and all of the election figures and Georgia officials in Georgia have said there was zero voter fraud in the 2020 election. What you're seeing is a bill rolled out due to black turnout. Period. Um, 
if you know what I do for a living and where I work for a living, uh, then then you'll understand. I was sitting uh, today actually listening to um, some guests talk and just speak and spew ignorance that was like all a Google search away, and they made <laughs> they made the comment that what happened in Georgia wasn't really Georgia; it was Atlanta, and Atlanta is the biggest money driver through Georgia. Period. So. <laughs> Atlanta has a lot to say. There are more people that live in Atlanta than I think like 80% of the of the state. Anybody that can sit back, this bill makes it illegal to give water to people who are waiting in line. So imagine being a poor person who has to go to work, whose boss wouldn't let them off, who had to go to work, then go and wait in line all day. You don't have child care. Um, you can't afford a babysitter. You want to go practice your civil duty and go vote. You've been up all day and you can't accept a bottle of water. People will not go vote. has nothing to do with um, what side they vote for. Uh, if you don't believe that, I think uh, Donald Trump got the, the, the largest, he's not saying much, but had the largest uh, black vote for him of any Republican in a long, long, long time, probably, I think, ever. It's not about the person. It's about us having the chance or believing that our votes, votes matters. Those states in 2016 that flipped red, black people stayed home. And this bill in, in just about every damn state, Republican controlled houses and senates are trying to make it tougher for black people to vote. And here is my caution to it. Um, black people are resilient. And one of the things that we don't like as a whole is feeling as if somebody is spitting in our face. And the moment we feel like somebody is spitting in our face, um, we don't have a problem um, banding together it happens all the time every time society has tried to kick us in the face every time society has tried to stop us from doing something one of the things we do is band together and prove them wrong it, it slavery jim crow um um you you name it you you throw it at us even even ronald reagan's crack pandemic when we will finally whoop the 13th amendment's ass um because the 13th amendment did not free the slaves um it just made the 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 prisons more powerful we are a resilient people and when you try to hold us down eventually we stand the hell up and when we stand the hell up we knock the table over problem is a lot of the time we get comfortable or we get tired from fighting all the time that we rest and people build the table back on our back but this is ridiculous i remember being in high school and i know people tell me all the time that i don't let go of those days and that those are my glory days and they might be i don't think that um and at the time there was implemented a rule that there had to be and this is these were people before my tenure had fought to have um at least one black female represented on the homecoming court that it was mandatory and so fast forward to 2006 2007 and if i were to die tomorrow tanita Orr would tell the story um at my funeral we were um, in a meeting and some of the white parents had gotten together 
and said how they thought it was unfair and it did not give all the students a fair shot that there had to be a black girl on the homecoming court. And as a student body president, I had to sit in a meeting with the superintendent and members of the school board and the principal and all this. It, it got to be, um, we were at the school board all the time having this debate about um, whether or not we could, um, we should get rid of this rule. And so when we got to my senior year, um, it got it got nastier. And some of the stuff that there are people in this town that could not look me in my face because of the things they wrote about a high school homecoming queen. And I told them then, um, and I meant it. I said, "Here's the deal. You all feel like it's not right that it's mandatory for there to be a black female on the homecoming court because you think all the black people will automatically vote for her and be the queen. Well, history tells us that that's not the case. I think we have only had one since this rule is initiated. I said, but what it's going to do if you get rule of this rule, will it, will it will guarantee that in a few years you will have an all black homecoming court. I said, because people are not stupid and they'll realize that you're taking something away. And instead of us pulling and putting all of our support behind one person, we'll split our support to elevate it. And then your children will vote for these black kids who are popular by giving us just one slot. We get amongst ourselves and say, who will be the one who represents and takes our one spot by opening it all the way and denying us anything. We will go and take all of the spots. I got pushed back for it, told I was a loud mouth that didn't know much of anything. And then a few years later, Columbia High School had an all-black female homecoming court. And um, <laughs> one of the persons in, in power reached out to me after that and was like, uh, you called it, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, because I know my people. I know how we are and I know how we think. And if you take from us and we watch you steal from us and you tell us you're stealing for us to make us better, we're going to go back and take what's ours and not only take what's ours, we're going to make it better. Come here, professional sports. Every professional sport, that is why people were afraid of integration. The moment you integrated and you let these black athletes in, more and more of them are going to come because I don't care. Uh, most coaches who coach for the passion of the game don't give a damn about skin color the best 11 play and if the best 11 are black athletes then there will be white parents sitting in the stands upset that their child has not played you see it in high school football when people win little league you can basically pick your team and your kid was the best player the whole time and in middle school they didn't start get as much burning and they got in high school and those kids whose parents um, couldn't afford the little league and couldn't afford the cleats now get to high school football where it's paid for or high school basketball where it's paid for and they could really show and shine you realize that little billy or little johnny might not have been the greatest thing smoking in the little flag football tournament and the only major sport that was smart about keeping black people out was the mlb because they had said hey jackie robinson catch fire old black people love baseball love baseball baseball said we're going to make it expensive and make it as expensive as earthly possible and our kids that can play will play and your kids won't not me personally give 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 some of these kids a baseball bat and a baseball i was talking to um 
a, a coach here locally, and they were like, I want to I want to help. I know baseball is expensive. I coached at a, a school that's all black, and I know baseball is expensive. I know these parents can't afford it, but God, some of these kids would be in the big leagues if they got the proper training. It's by design. That is why we excel at football because most time you get to high school, middle school, high school, football is free. But give a black person golf. For for there there are a bunch of black people that if they had the opportunity to play golf, they'd be Tiger Woods. Come here, tennis. One dad took two little girls and the and the and the gangs protected them the, the tennis courts at night so they could practice and they took over tennis and one of them is probably the greatest athlete of any sport of all time. Come here. Let let black people really stop being afraid of the phobia of water that is instilled from slavery. Watch us take over swimming. I want you to think about the most gymnastic gymnastically inclined person you know person that can flip has a bunch of balance can do this that and the third they're probably African American but black people don't participate in gymnastics for two things one we've made male gymnastics um, we, we put the phobia on it we we <laughs> we made it seem like it's, it's, it's a quote unquote gay trait to be in gymnastics but it's also expensive as hell Bring those prices down. Watch how we excel. And this is what happens. And and I don't think when old white money, if you're offended by that, be offended by it, thinks that the solution is to try to shut black people up. All we do is figure out how to conquer it and make it better. Think about how many black billionaires are in the world right now. This is why we're figuring out the, the whole it used to be give your kids a head start with credit and give your kids a head start with this and give your kids a head start with that in the opposite community. In our communities where once you turn 18, you get out your mom and daddy. So, no, that mindset is changing and is shifting. It's crazy how it's crazy how success was pushed on black people as going to college and going to college is great. But if you look at people who have a bunch of money and me, me and some of my friends, I don't know if we're friends right now because the quote tonight was maybe you're just nobody's friend. I hurt my feelings. Y'all know I'm a sensitive ass man. Um, how it was told for us to go to college. And so now we push our kids to college and all the money is in trade. And when you go and look at some of these businesses that are started in trade, you're like, I didn't even know that was a job. I didn't even know that was a possibility. I didn't even know that was a need. But we've pushed our people go to college, go to college, join the service, join the service now, because those are the jobs that we want for you. Alabama, uh, uh, Bear Bryant pulled made his name by walking down the street to, to Grambling to an HBCU and taking black athletes and realizing I could win with them. It's it's a it's a reality, and instead of being fearful of it, we need to embrace and say, "Hey, maybe instead of trying to hold them down, because when we hold them down, they stand the f up, and then they take over." We need to make sure there's either room at our table or an opportunity for them to build their own table, because it seems like 
when we give them neither they just take over our tables hey maybe if we put if we put the same resources in the hood educationally and economically that the playing field would be equal that's all we want not bills that say you can't give out water are shortening the days of early voting what does that do for the single mother who's trying to vote in between picking up her kid by shortening the days what the 2020 election should have taught us is when people have opportunity they use their right to vote it's not about pandering it's not about it's not about all these things that it's trying to be made about if election if the Georgia officials could come out and say that the elections were the safest elections they ever had why are they buffering it their security are making it harder to vote let me tell you they don't want people in people in DeKalb and people in Fulton they don't want the people in Albany to vote Florida is getting ready to start it and and the biggest takeaway that should have came out of the 2020 election in the state of Florida f- for me was the fact that Duval flipped blue. I don't care what less what they do in Miami. But that's a sign that places that are more urban are going to turn out the vote more and more and you can try to suppress it all you want to. But it'll flip black blue. Texas Places that are more urban, that are more college educated, they're going to flip blue. Not because black people are beholden to the Democratic Party, but we hate feeling as if don't piss on us and tell us it's raining. Especially when it's hot piss. And that is what people in certain positions of power are doing. Um, to the black vote right now they are pissing on the black vote and telling us it's raining and telling us that the only way we can grow is if we're rained on by their piss and it's going to cost Georgia money Major League Baseball moved an all-star game at a time when they were going to honor Hank Aaron go figure It's going to cost you money because brands realize brands realize that <laughs> who's spending the money. Everybody's like, oh, everybody's money spent. No, there's there's a different type of spending. Well, why did Nike support Colin Kaepernick? Because they know who go out and buy go they know who goes out and buys those damn Jordan brand shoes. Who's who's wearing Air Maxes? Yeah, there's style, there's grace, but I know I every sneakerhead I really know that spends a whole lot of money is very liberal they understand they get it baseball has been sticking to their audience for a long time and their sport is not growing they realize what they need same way golf realized it need tiger baseball ratings are higher when there is a black star, I remember I loved baseball when I was little and grew up in North Carolina. Baseball and street hockey. I played it um, every day. I played baseball and street hockey every damn day. I used to get hockey sticks um, for Christmas. Used to could rollerblade because we played street hockey 
every single day. Love baseball. It's where I learned my terminology. Was playing, was playing, um, learning, learning baseball terminology. Playing in between the apartment complexes when I was younger. Had baseball gloves galore. You know what made me watch baseball when I was younger? Barry Bonds. Knowing about Hank Aaron, uh, Ken Giffrey Jr. Baseball doesn't have one of those right now, and their ratings are in the toilet. They get it. So, and and the whole reason, ironically, that the Atlanta Braves ended up in the state of Georgia was Milwaukee the Milwaukee Braves before they came down there made Atlanta uh they they used their name to leverage something with with racial policies and and Atlanta had to change verbiage in their legislation um to be more supportive towards black people for them to even come that's why I don't get people saying oh branch should stay out of it so politicians can accept millions and billions of dollars from corporations and lobby it but they can't push their weight back on it no that's Give and take, quid pro quo. Speaking of bills that blow my mind, um, Arkansas and this trans rights bill that won't give health care to kids. I don't I I'm not going to share my opinion on that. I'm not educated enough. I don't want to sound insensitive. I don't want to sound even because you can disagree with something and still be sensitive to it I'm, I'm not there yet on the subject but I know any child that's a child no matter what they're going through ought to have health care and to make a bill that says human beings can't be treated in certain facilities because of their genitalia is pissing on people and telling them it's raining because those same people the same people in Arkansas the same party that pushed it the same um elected officials who were were for this bill they just passed are pro-life <laughs> i i just don't think all, all these people who holler that they are pro-life in my opinion they aren't pro-life they're pro-birth because you can't be pro-life and not think about the conditions that a child is born into the education that the child will get the economic development that a child is walking into the healthcare system that the child is walking to people are not pro uh, pro pro-life they're pro-birth this is why it's more expensive in this world to adopt a child than it is uh, uh, to abort one drop the prices of adoptions no you know why because somebody has to make money off of it adoptions have become legalized human trafficking thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to adopt a child who if they don't get adopted end up in an orphanage who, who might not get an opportunity to better themselves But no, there's no bill for that. There's no focus on that. There's no uh, make it better on that. These same people who holler that they are pro-life haven't said a word about the tax on Asians. Now, I'm going to tread lightly on that because when stuff happens, um, 
maybe I shouldn't say that. People can't holler that they are pro-life and then be silent when people are purposely killing Asians because they're Asian. It's sickening. It's disgusting. This is why words matter. This is why you can't call it the China virus to people who can't read past the third grade level. And then these same people who perpetuate and say that they are pro-life. Now I'm going to be a hypocrite because I'm going to attempt to, to nail somebody to. These same people that do all that talking that make it sound good. Who sit up and go to rallies and introduce the president. And who are young U.S. House uh, of Representatives officials who have so much mouth. <coughs> Matt Gantz. Who wear gas masks on the floor to mock mask wearing and then catches COVID. Matt Gantz is a, I don't even know if I'm saying his last name right, a jackass. He seems like the type of guy that, <laughs> he, he just seems like that type of guy. And now you're in the middle of a scandal with sex trafficking, but you're pro, pro, pro life. Um, in the middle of being with a minor, I like older women. Well, I gotta stop saying stuff like that because my ex friends really do crucify me when I insinuate that I don't absolutely positively and love my wife at all times and uh, make comments that are slightly, I don't know. I, I guess I gotta be perfect at all times, whatever. Um, but I I find it sick. To just like little kids to like little kids right um are like young women just because you can manipulate and control them um or wield your power over them and and use your influence or hey saying the the people who are elected to the house of representatives are supposed to respect the halls of congress so much that they don't show nudes of minors or nudes of uh, nudes of women they slept with or videos on the floor of the house allegedly that's disgusting Matt Gantz is everything Republicans wanted uh, Hunter Biden to be then to talk about oh well he was extorted like the two things th those two things are two totally different things yo bro you and your best friend were wholehearted creepers like out there the best friend was a um or the the guy that's in the other case was the tax collector in Seminole County and was taking old and lost IDs and was making fake IDs for underage females and making fake IDs to sex traffic people he was an elected official normal people do nasty stuff all the time and yeah, I know people aren't perfect. And yes, I preach grace, mercy, and love. And yes, I preach redemption. And yes, I believe that that there there is a death and an atonement for sin. I do believe all of those things. But I also believe that there is a certain level of accountability that we must all have. Um, you know, just want to throw some prayers out there for DMX. Talking about being accountable. Um, is is a is a staple 
in music, you can't talk about music and not mention the run that he had as the cornerstone of the Rough Riders. In the same sense, he, he made some choices. Um, drugs aren't good. Um, hard drugs are definitely not good. And choices matter, but we want him to pull through that and pray for his full recovery. And, um, you know, hopefully he can get it together when he's ready for him to go. Um, he still got to tell people what do you do war on them. So let's end here. Um, it is Resurrection Sunday. It is to me my favorite day that we celebrate. Um, and one day we'll have to talk about how <laughs> most Christians. Well, if you're a Christian, you ultimately have to believe that Thanos was right. Um, but <laughs> Christians, the, the, it's not just Christians. It's, it's me personally. When I think of what Calvary means, when I think of what uh, the blood of Jesus means, when I when I think of what actually happened on the cross. The older I get and the more I think of what the suffering really was, um, that it wasn't even so much that I was worthy because I am still a wretch, wretched man that I am. That's what uh, written in the Bible it says. I, I'm paraphrasing here that I try to do good. I plan to do good. But every time I plan to do good, evil is present on every hand and the the plans that I had to be good I do the opposite and, and I'm bad on purpose to, to know that I am unworthy of salvation and um, to, to know that uh, a brown man hung on the cross for me um, really pricks my heart in, in ways that I can't adequately express and every year around Resurrection Sunday I am reminded um, it is it's, it's, it's one of my favorite and heaviest times to preach um, but I'm reminded of exactly how unworthy how wretched of a soul of a person I have been um, I get a, a glimpse of it every communion Sunday um, and, and you pray all the in, in African Methodism you pray all these prayers and you really think of the body and the blood but it's something about Resurrection Sunday and looking back over my life and knowing that somewhere in there, um, God loved me enough to, 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 to offer up a full and perfect and sufficient sacrifice. Um, it's, it is humbling. And it makes you want to get up and be a better person. Right? Um, and... <laughs> And I'm just thankful and I'm, I'm grateful, um, not even for the, if you subscribe to um, what the biblical teachings is, and, and not even if you subscribe to um, what Resurrection Sunday really, really, really is, um, but, but to believe that somebody loved you enough to give it all up for you ought to inspire you to want to be a better person 
Um, that being said, I think we'll find out next week. This might be the last perspective. Um, I, I think sometimes you can put your beliefs out there enough that you can make yourself vulnerable enough um, that people will use your vulnerability and um, use it against you and what I don't want to get myself in the position of is every time I, I get on this microphone and every time I get on this platform um having to feel like Superman because you can be Superman so long that you give Clark Kent a heart attack right and and the whole point of being exposed and honest with people and sharing a perspective is um is showing that you you don't want the weight of a name or weight of a response persona to kill you sometimes it does and so i don't know it it might be a time to i'm, I'm praying i'm seeking guidance um for god to tell me what to do because this has been fun this has been fun it's like when i wrote my first book it was fun the first one was so much fun um like I genuinely enjoyed it and one of my aunts asked me after it was published she was like now baby you know this is a good book and if it ever catches fire are you prepared to tell your story she said because you can't write a good book and people not want to know your story and people not want to nitpick your story and people not want to critique you and um, I was like yeah I can handle it and so then when I was writing my second book and uh, there was somebody I was sending um, back and forth just hey this is the book this is what's going on this is what's going on with the characters and that person just started not the editor it wasn't the editor it wasn't the publisher wasn't a contributor at all um, she started to, to, to give me all these suggestions and I'm like wait a minute I created this I made this you can't run this for me and book two and book three and book four were no fun and that's why I don't hype them. I don't own copies of them. I, I, I pray there's no copies of them left in print. Um, they're just miserable. They're great reads. They're, they're phenomenal work. But just the process was, was miserable. And even with this, this has started off so much fun um, to see it grow and to, to see the potential in it. But there are days where it's like, this is miserable. Why am I doing this? Um but it's to but it's to share a new perspective but then again who really cares what my perspective is on things so um if this is the last time we don't know i'm impulsive um if it is or it isn't i love you there's nothing you can do about it until we talk again peace